It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. Welcome to the third teaching, the third session on our calling as children of God to be heirs of the grace of life. What a wonderful name. What a wonderful title to bear in a world full of death-dealing influences. And when I say death-dealing, I mean mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically, we are under a barrage of attacks on every side that deal death to us, like depressive influences, discouraging influences, lust and greed, anger and avarice, all the negative attributes of the fallen nature want to work death in you. But in the midst of all of this deathly attack, you are an heir of the grace of life. And the word translated life is zoe, which means divine life the life of God. The spirit of life is a name for the Holy Spirit, and he dwells within you, and he resurrects you back to life whenever you get hit with these death-dealing influences. That is the grace of God, and God's grace towards you is going to be stronger than all the attacks against you. So that's 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, where we find this name for God's people. But I want to focus our attention on the word grace primarily once again, and I want to emphasize the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. See, the Old Testament ends with the word curse, but the New Testament ends with the statement, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So that in itself shows the vast difference The law was insufficient in delivering the human race from its dilemma. It gave us God's standard. It showed us the moral parameters we should live within, but it also showed that we rightfully receive the curse of death if we fall short of God's expectations. The soul that sins, it shall die. And so it did not solve the problem. That's why the Bible said the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He introduced into this world an opportunity to us, an opportunity to transcend these death-dealing influences and not only to recover, but to be made brand new and to be infused with the grace and the life of God. How wonderful is that? Now, in order to understand grace a little bit deeper than we have in the last two episodes, let's go to the original languages of the Bible, the original Hebrew and the original Greek. Now, the Hebrew word that is translated grace is hen, and it stems from another Hebrew word, honan or konan, which means to bend or stoop down in order to show kindness to one who is inferior. What a beautiful picture of grace. Immediately, my heart is launched to that scene in John chapter 8, 
where they threw the adulterous woman at Jesus' feet, and he stooped down and said, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? And she said, no man, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn you. That was grace manifested in a maximum way. How beautiful. It comes from a root word, konan, which means to bend or to stoop down in order to show kindness to one who is inferior. But see, we were all, in a sense, thrown at the feet of Jesus. We could have been stoned in a spiritual kind of sense. We could have come under condemnation from God and from others. We were all guilty, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But thank God Jesus stooped down next to us too. And when we inclined our heart his direction, he gave us grace and he showed kindness to those who were inferior. Now, the Hebrew word hen occurs 69 times in the Old Testament. Its foundational meaning and its predominant meaning is favor. It's translated grace a few times. Most of the time it is translated favor. The first appearance is Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, where the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And that's why God manifested himself to him, showed him what was coming, and gave him the plan to survive the flood because he found grace in the sight of the Lord. Well, I know that Noah was a preacher of righteousness, and I know that he lived a righteous life in the midst of a very immoral and ungodly world, but that was not just what his deliverance hinged on. If it was up to good works, he probably would not have made it. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so have you and I. See, these days we're living in are increasingly becoming more and more wicked. But we have been brought into a relationship with God, not because of our works, not because of our religious devotion, not because we fulfilled this mandate or fulfilled that mandate biblically or otherwise, but it's God's grace that saves us and rescues us from this wayward world. Thank God for that. Now, the word hen is translated 27 times into the word favor in the Old Testament, such as Genesis 39, 21, where it talks about Joseph and how the Lord was with Joseph and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And whatever was done in the prison, it was placed under Joseph's authority. See, grace abounding in your life usually positions you in a place of authority and influence. God doesn't give you grace or favor just for your benefit, but it's for the benefit of how he can express himself through you to impact the lives of others. And we're going to cover that more on the next session. But on this one, we're discovering some mysteries in the original Hebrew and Greek. The next time I want to bring to your attention that the word in is translated grace in the Old Testament is in Exodus chapter 33. This is right after 
Moses comes down from the mountain and sees the people of Israel dancing around this golden calf in a naked frenzy of lust in the name of some kind of worship going on of a false deity. And so everything seems to implode right then spiritually in the people of Israel, in the nation of Israel, because they've wandered far from the truth that delivered them from Egypt. But Moses goes and seeks God. And while Moses was praying about this dilemma, the backsliding of the children of Israel, he made a very important statement to God in prayer. He said, now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, he's talking to Yahweh, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he says, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. God responded to him and God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here or from the wilderness that they were in. For how will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us. So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Those verses, Exodus 33, verses 12 through 17, reveal to us the outward manifestations that indicate the invisible presence of grace. See, grace is the influence of God on the heart and its evidence in the life, according to Strong's Concordance. So there was an invisible, subliminal presence that went with the children of Israel. Of course, sometimes it was visible as a pillar of fire by night and a cloudy pillar by day. But his grace was indicated by these things revealed in the conversation Moses had with God. He said, if we found grace in your sight, then show me your way. Well, you and I should pray the same way. Lord, if you've really applied grace to my life, then show me the will of God for my life. And then he said that I may know you. If I found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you. See, when grace is applied to your life, then you receive the revelation of God. God expresses his character, his personality in your life, and you know him as he is. And then he said, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't take us up from this place. And he said, if we found grace in your sight, then go with us. And God said, I'll certainly do this thing. So the personal presence of God with you is an indication of God's grace. Being separated from all other nations and people of the earth is an indication of God's grace. And no wonder Jeremiah 31 verse 2 says, the people who were left of the sword found grace in the wilderness. See, they had just been through horrendous treatment by Pharaoh who decapitated hundreds of Jewish babies. The sons were killed in order to prevent the Jewish people from becoming more numerous, but they survived the sword and they found grace in the wilderness. The unmerited love of God guided them through the wilderness of sin, ultimately to take them over Jordan and into the land of promise. 
And God has done the same thing for you. You were brought out of what should have been the death of your soul. It wasn't Pharaoh ruling over you, but it was it was the dictatorial rule of Satan and all his demonic underlings who were intent on enslaving you. But then you escaped. By the grace of God, you escaped. And now you're still caught in this wilderness world. But you can find grace here. You can meet the God of all grace here. You can go through trials and tribulations and hardships and even failures. But in the midst of it all, you're going to discover that the grace of God is there. In that same passage in Jeremiah 31, in the next verse, God said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. The people that were left of the sword found grace in the wilderness. And then God said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. See, if you're in the wilderness, spiritually speaking, and you find grace there, it's proof that God has undying love towards you. What a wonderful truth discovered in the Old Testament before grace was fully declared as it was once the New Testament came into being. Well, let's go there right now. Let's go to the original language, the original Greek that is translated into the word grace. It's the word charis. And it comes from another Greek word, kario, which means to rejoice, to be cheerful, to be full of joy. And so any person who claims to be an heir of the grace of life should be a person who rejoices every day to be walking with God, cheerful and full of joy that we're not only heirs of the life of God now, but for all eternity. Now, grace comes to us two primary ways. God uses two primary means to bring the grace of God to us, and that is the Spirit and the Word. We are begotten of the word, then we are born of the spirit. The seed of the word is planted in our heart. Somebody shares the gospel of grace with us, and then we receive those words, and it's like seed planted in our heart. We are begotten of the word, but then we are born of the spirit. And both of those are attached to the word grace. For instance, in Acts chapter 20, verse 32, Paul is talking to one of the churches under his command, and he said, Brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And the word sanctified means separated from the world and reserved unto God for his holy use and for his ordained plan to be fulfilled in your life. That's what it means to be sanctified. And Paul said, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. In other words, I am connecting you. I am attaching you to a revelation that's going to carry you through everything you face in life. I commend you to the word of God's grace, which is able to build you up. The world is going to tear you down. Your own mind sometimes will tear you down. People around you will tear you down. The screaming voices from the past will tear you down. But the word of his grace will build you up, the Bible says, and give you an inheritance among all those who have been cleansed from the defilement of sin and set apart unto God. So the word of God is called the word of his grace, but the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of grace. 
Where do I find that? In Zechariah 12.10, which of all the scriptures I could quote is one of the most demonstrative passages that reveals what the grace of God is. It's talking in that chapter about how all nations are going to be gathered together against Jerusalem to battle. Well, we hear the rumblings of that even now, the anti-Semitism that's rising in the world and and how so many nations in the United Nations have pitted themselves against Israel. Thank God the United States is stronger now in its commitment to Israel than it's been in a long time. But here at that critical moment that is prophesied by Zechariah, when they're surrounding Israel, intent on subduing, subjecting, and even destroying the people of Israel, listen to what God said he would do. And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. Wow, that's all I can say is, wow, that in this moment of total crisis, when it looks like they're completely outnumbered, surrounded by armies out of many different nations, and yet right then, the very one that many Jewish people, many Israelites have rejected, from the beginning the church was completely Jewish, But there were many Jewish people who rejected the Messiah. And then through the centuries, unfortunately, there was a rift between the church and Israel. And some of the fault was on the part of those who professed to be part of the church. But it became increasingly harder for a Jewish person to get over the hurdles that prevented them from accepting Yeshua as the Messiah. But here at the end of the age, after the voices 2,000 years ago cried, crucify him, now the veil is pulled back and they see him descending, coming back to this world. They look on him whom they pierced and they mourn for him. And I'm not sure exactly how God's going to do it, but I can imagine a sweeping wave, a tsunami of grace going through the land of Israel and thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands, receiving the Messiah simultaneously as the spirit of grace envelops those that have even rejected the Messiah Isn't that the grace of God? And if grace can appear to a nation that much of which has rejected his Messiahship and yet rescue them at such a critical moment, then grace can rescue you at the critical moments you face in life. That's the spirit of grace. You are begotten of the word of grace. You are born of the spirit of grace. And from that point forward, you're called to grow in grace according to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. How do you grow in grace? By the Spirit of God and by the Word of God taking over more territory in your life. By the Spirit of grace and the Word of grace manifesting through your character and impacting the world around you. That's how you grow in grace. And the best way to grow in grace is not to become a container of grace, but an exhibitor, an expression of grace in this woeful world. And that's what we're going to be talking about 
on the next episode of Discover Your Spiritual Identity. Two more related names. We are referred to as partakers of grace, and we are referred to as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And that's all about not receiving grace so much, but giving grace to others. And you're going to be surprised at some of the revelation that's going to come forth. Please join us then. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.